We left off looking at the new song that was in heaven. There is a, another new song that we see in Revelation in verse uh, or chapter 14 and verse 3. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 3. And this one seems to be deriving from the harpers that are in heaven. And pick it up at verse 1. It says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the mountain of Zion, and with him an hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard the voice from heaven as a voice of many waters and as a voice of great thunder. And I heard the voice of the harpers harping with their harps. Say that three times fast. <laughs> and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were, which were not defiled with women, for they are, uh, they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whither so he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, the firstfruits unto God and uh, to the Lamb. Uh, and so we could go on further from there, but uh, this will be a shorter song. We see that the they refers to the harpers are, are the ones that are singing. Uh, and again, this historical present is used that they are singing. Again, John is writing as something that happened in the past that he's writing about that actually happened in the future. And so he's saying this is going on right now. They are singing a new kind of song again. And the audience uh, in the presence of this Greek word for Anopion is the Godhead as they sit before the throne, the four beasts and the elders. And this song is intended for the 40, 144,000. And so what does it say? No man, not John, nor those that were in heaven as the audience uh, of this writing or, or those that are the audience of this writing was continually being able to know this song. Uh, or really that idea there is to learn. And it comes from our uh, Greek word manthano, uh, which has the idea of the process of learning through relationship uh, to an instructor that includes instruction, object lessons, and reaffirmation. And so there was uh, no, at no time, were they going to be able to learn this song because it was specifically for the 144,000. And so it's singing of the redemption of these. And that leaves off uh, uh, the songs of the future, and we want to look at what we came here for, the songs of the present. And so uh, you might have heard of oldies, right? I like a lot of old songs. <laughs> I'm an old soul, as some people have told me before. Uh, maybe in the future I'll like future songs, but uh, we're going to deal with the songs of the now. Now, I don't like today's music too much. <laughs> there are not too many artists that I find appealing, but I do find this topic appealing. And so as we look at it, uh, we want to first point out the difference between those old songs that we looked at and those future songs that we looked at and what we have under grace. And so I would say pre-grace or outside of grace, these songs usually express an emotional response to the character and power of God in a provision of some physical victory or blessings. Now, I think that encapsulates what we looked at when we looked at those songs in the Old Testament, right? And even some of these into Revelation. Under grace, it is the spiritual expression from alignment with God that allows the believer to verbally or spiritually express the appreciation for God's provisions. Right. You might uh, look at this as, again, 
you living out your position in Christ. And this song is a natural outflow from what God has provided inside of you. And we'll break that down just a little bit further here in a moment. Uh, we see that this is a provision uh, in the provision from the salvation of the believer. And uh, many guys here that have spoke over the, this weekend have done a good job of setting forth a lot of the provisions that we have by grace. Right. And talking about the fact that what you have by grace can't be activated until you're living in who you are in Christ. A lot of people like to put the cart before the horse, right? <laughs> they like to say, well, uh, I need to love somebody right now. And as Dan was talking about with marriage and, and last, uh, uh, this is where we can mess up, right? You know, as a husband, you need to love your wife. But are you just trying to love out of your own strength? Or are you truly loving through who you are in Christ, right? That's a, a, a question everyone has to kind of ask yourself. There is salvation uh, in the realm of our spirit. And so as you look at the individual grace believer, we've been saved in our spirit. Don't get tripped up here. Right. A lot of people talk about saving souls when they talk about people getting saved. Right. Your soul is not, <laughs> nor will it be saved until Christ's return. Be careful. <laughs> We're going to talk about why that's important, because I want you to know your soul is the seat of your emotions. And this is where a lot of people get it messed up. I feel this way, right? I feel saved today. Well, tomorrow I don't feel saved because I did this thing or that thing, right? I was out at the club partying last night and I didn't feel saved at that point in time, but I went to church the next day, so I feel good now. I feel saved, right? It doesn't matter how you feel. It has everything to do with what Christ has done for you, right? And so uh, your feelings can really get you tripped up. Go with me over to Romans chapter one and verse nine. And we see that service to God is done through your spirit. And the only way that you can serve God is through the realm of your spirit. Now, I don't want it to, to get uh, twisted into something that is not your emotions are not bad. Right. Uh, your emotions are bad when they're flowing out of uh, uh, when they're not flowing through who you are in Christ first. Right. You're going to produce the things of the flesh and, and it's not going to look pretty. Uh, but Romans chapter one and verse nine, if I can get there. In verse eight, it says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing, I make mention of you in my prayers. You see Paul's service and his communication on behalf of these Roman saints. It doesn't happen in your soul. <laughs> doesn't happen when you feel good. Oh, oh, I'm getting a good feeling. I like you, Miss J. I'm going to I'm going to pray for you now. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> well, I do like you, Miss J. <laughs> Not to say that I don't. But our our reckoning of who we are in Christ first allows us to think about people the way that we should. So it doesn't matter what that person is doing to us or or what our relationship is like with that person now. And it's very interesting that Brother Dan uh, brought up last hour how, how the husband can respond to the wife. And that's going to flow again through who he is in Christ, because it's not always going to feel good <laughs> to relate to that person in the right way and vice versa. Right. And so uh, being able to see it that way is very important. 
Uh, we are renewed in our spirit and the spirit belongs to our mind. And we see that over in Ephesians chapter four, verse 23. These are all outflows of the fact that you have been saved in the realm of your spirit. And we can go back to verse 20. As we see this uh, little word we mentioned a second ago, manthano, which has the idea of learned. And in verse 20, it says uh, he gives these uh, groupings of these works of the flesh uh, that are apparent with unbelievers. And he says, uh, uh, uses a contrary word here in verse 20. But you have not so learned the Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is where in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Remember, we talked about that old, old man, old nature that you can imbibe in if you'd like to, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So you're putting off the old man, but you're putting on something, right? You're not just sitting there unclothed. I'm not going to say the other word. I'm just going to say unclothed. You're going to clothe yourself back with something here. Verse 23, uh, and be renewed by the spirit of your mind. Now, we always talk about that word for of really doesn't translate anything. It's very general. I, I would say the spirit belonging to your mind. Right. Your mind uh, uh, is and, and your spirit are as access from your mind or mental capacity. In verse 24, it says and that you put on. Here's the idea of clothing yourself with the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Right. And so how can we conduct ourselves in the righteousness that comes from Christ by putting on the new man? And what does that mean to put on the new man? Do I have some new man clothes hanging up in the closet? I go in the closet, get my new man clothes off and put them on. <laughs> no, no. It means on the outside, you look like the new man. And the only way that you're going to on the outside look like the new man is to get your mind to where you should be in Christ in order for this to take place. Now, we also see over in Philippians chapter three and verse three that worship derives from the realm of the spirit. And it's very interesting to me. Again, I tried very hard not to make this a a, a antipodal uh, presentation to praise and worship or any of the things that are going on in Christendom today. Uh, but as you do look at praise and worship, it is all verbal, right? It's all singing. It's all songs. It's all playing of instruments. And I'm not trying to discourage anyone from doing that, but I am trying to encourage you that your attitude of praise, your attitude of worship should be express, expressed interiorly or internally before you express it outwardly. You don't just get to praise God because you come up in front of a bunch of people and repeat a bunch of words that have been written down on a piece of paper, right? You don't get to just praise God or or worship God because you're coming up and playing your instrument before him. Lest you be like those in the Old Testament who on, on one hand were praising God through these songs and then turning around and I'm doing whatever I want to do again. Right. Your attitude has to change. Your attitude should be one of thanksgiving for what God has supplied and provided for you. And we'll talk about that again in Ephesians chapter five. But let's continue on this attitude here of worship we see in in um, 
verse uh, 3 of chapter 3. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same, th- same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. You see, a lot of what's outflowing from people when they talk about worship, and I think it's been clearly stated here over this weekend that worship is simply saying those things back to God about himself that he has already said concerning himself. Well, a lot of people are just doing vain repetition, right? (laughs) Worship. I need to worship God now. Let me come into this place of worship. And again, let me just repeat some words that other people have said that might not even have anything to do with who God is. Right. I don't like a lot of contemporary songs of of Christianity because they fail to mention who God is and what God does. They might slap a God on there every now and again. There are some good ones out there. Let me not bash all of them, but a lot of them don't. They miss that. Right. And so how are you truly worshiping God if you're not saying who God is? And by the way, this word for worship is used often as our general word for communication to God. Right. And I don't have to be singing to talk to God and to tell him how great he is. And again, we'll see in Ephesians chapter five. I'm just setting the table. We'll get there in a bit. Uh, But this idea of worship here, it comes from the realm of your spirit. It's not an emotional experience that you experience. There might be some emotion that comes out of it, but it's first through who you are in the realm of your spirit. Over in um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, we see the potential for salvation in all three realms of your existence. But specifically, we want to look at the spirit. And really here, we're more looking at the fact that man is made up of three parts. And again, as we've seen, that, that spirit part of man is saved. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And he says there, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that is called you uh, who also will do it. And so, uh, again, here are these three parts of, of the human being, the body, the soul and the spirit. Uh, but the spirit being the one that is actually saved. Now, uh, how do I know that your body is not saved? Well, I think you guys can testify to that. My wife has been dealing with some knee pain here for several days. <laughs> Brother Don says he's been sweating up a storm <laughs> as he goes outside there. He, he feels it, right? That body's not saved. Uh, I think it's very easy to look around and see that your body's not saved, but a lot of people struggle with the fact that your soul is not saved, right? And so if your soul is not saved and your emotions are expressed through your soul, how can this be the centerpiece of how you're relating to a God that is spirit, I would tell you that it, it can't. Right. And we'll go over to first uh, Peter, chapter one and verse nine. And we see that your soul shall be saved. It is not saved now. First Peter, chapter one and verse nine. 
And Brother Dan did a, a good job of dealing in this area uh, and setting up what was going on with these believers that Peter is writing to. But a little after where he was, uh, he talks about this suffering and, and trial of their faith in verse 7. It says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried by fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, who having not seen you love, in whom that you now, uh, now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. <laughs> you see, this is something that is future tense, right? It hasn't happened now. And would to God that we were saved in the realm of our souls and our bodies. We wouldn't have to deal with the stuff that we have to deal with now. But this is all a part of your growing and your child training process. It brings you to complete maturity until we see Christ. Right. And so part of that is that you have to deal with a soul that is not saved and that uh, your sin nature makes a, a campaign against that soul. And unfortunately, sometimes we succumb to it. Right. And yet uh, there is a better way. Now, I want to look at also the provision of control of your emotions. This is a interesting one to me that a lot of a lot more people don't see. But over in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 39, we see that as believers, you have a unique ability that has been provided to possess your soul or be in control of your soul. Now, the backdrop to this is the author of Hebrews is writing to these Hebrew saints. And guess what? They had had a point in time as believers where they were overcoming in Christ. And now they've been faced with a little adversity and they're they're having trouble. Right. They're not seeing things the way that they should be. And so the author has to remind them of what happened before. And not only that, that they have an, an, an ability here that not everyone has. In verse 32, it says, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, before, uh, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. Somebody talked about joy here over the weekend as well. And people think of, of joy always as emotions, right? I'm happy, right? Happy and joy are two different words for number one. And for number two, uh, joy that comes from God is different than your emotions when you're relating to God who is a spirit, right? And so what does this mean? He, they took joyfully the spoilings of their goods. It, it means that they were not moved by the situation, Right. They had contentment in God and trusted that God was going to provide for them, even in the spite of the circumstances that they were going through. Here's a, a, a true opportunity for Thanksgiving, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward for you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them which believe into the saving of the soul. Now, 
want you to, if you make notes, underline that saving there in your Bible. If you look over, if you have an interlinear uh, and you see saving, that's not our word for soteros or, or uh, um, uh, soterio. It's the word for peripoison. It means peri around poison to do, right? And so in composition, these two words give the idea of a possession, right? And what does this express? <laughs> this expresses that your emotions, which come from your soul, don't have to drive and dictate your action. Here, these saints were at a place where they had overcome in Christ before, but in the present, they're allowing their situation to overwhelm them, right? And we've all been there where you have a situation that you're going through and emotionally you're not where you should be, right? Your emotions are telling you all kinds of other things and the security and, and the simplicity and everything that we have in Christ. And, and you just can't get in your mind that anything could be any different. For these believers at this moment, this was the worst thing ever, right? <laughs> we've lost it all. And you can relate to them. We, we all in this room have possessions, right? Imagine you lost everything. <laughs> your natural reaction as a human being that is subject to your soul and your sin nature is going to be to not react well to it, right? I'll just say that. But if we're reacting as to who we are in Christ, your reaction is going to be a little different. You can take joyfully the losing of all things and say, hey, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. God will provide for me in this situation just like he has in the past. Right? We can have our billboard moment like the Israelites should have had where they look back and saw their backs were against the wall and God delivered them and say, hey, he is able to do anything. If he can get me out of this, he can get me out of anything. Do us as believers, these stories that are in the Old Testament are not there just for decoration. Now, I know we don't live by them, but guess what? They are there for you to look at God and say he has a power to do things that are beyond our comprehension. Do we believe that he's God or, do, or don't we? Right. Do, do we believe that he can truly do anything or do we just say that because we're believers? And that's what we're supposed to say. Well, the truth is he can do anything. And it doesn't matter what your situation is. He's able to uh, uh, deliver you out of that situation. But here, the possession of the soul. Very important for us to understand as believers that our soul does not have to dictate our actions and activity. Now, the provision of proper praise. Uh, we talked about worship and we can go back to John 4, 24, but we won't uh, just uh, use that as your citation there. But worship in general is a verbal communication and acknowledgement to God about those things which he has said concerning himself. And praise is that which is produced from the thoughts of the believer and communicated to God and thanksgiving for his character for uh, a provision for the individual. Let's go since we're in Hebrews, pop over to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. And we see that for praise. All right, I don't have anyone to keep me honest on time. I started again and didn't pay attention to who, who knows when I'm supposed to stop. 12.20, okay. I'm good. Well, 
not great, but I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's actually verse 16. I got that off. Um, nope, nope, it's 15. Uh, verse 13, it says, Let us go, therefore, uh, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, continually. That is now here. I always tell people at our church, when you see a biblical definition, if you like making notes in your Bibles, go ahead and underline it. Right. Or or put it in your notes somewhere. This is a biblical definition of what praise is. We don't even have to guess. Right. It's right there in, in print. That is uh, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name or his character. Uh, but to do good and to communicate, uh, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And so uh, one might say, well, well, you have to verbalize praise then, right? It says the fruit of your lips. Well, what if someone didn't have the ability to talk? Would they be able to praise God still <laughs> since it's the fruit of their lips? Well, it, it can. God can hear your praise, right, <laughs> in your prayers. I don't pray out loud. I don't know about you guys. I, I generally pray in my head, right? And God hears it all. Uh, and so we see that here. And so it's what's produced. Now, the importance uh, of thanksgiving to a spiritual song is we think about a spiritual song and going back over to Ephesians chapter five. And I kind of alluded to this before. That it's an attitude of thanksgiving that outflows in order to produce uh, this spiritual connection uh, to who God is and the outflow of that spiritual connection is those songs that we mentioned before. Uh, but let's just read through the context here, and then I want to come back and point out a couple things. In verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself uh, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becometh saints. Now, this idea of covetousness or idolatry, it is almost the direct opposite of being thankful, right? This idea that you continually need more comes from a place that you're not satisfied with what God has provided for you, right? You can't say that what he's given me in my situation is enough, right? And I'm not pointing the finger at you guys, because if I did, it would be pointing back at me. There's been times where what God has provided is not enough for me. Right. And I become unthankful. And there's there's results that are clear in Scripture from you being unthankful. And it'll take you to a place that you don't want to be as a believer. You always want to be in a posture where you're thankful for everything God provided Verse four, it says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather on the opposite, giving of thanks. For this, we know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, this doesn't mean and I always like to point this out when we're going through these uh, groupings of, of sins, that when you do this, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Right. It's the life of those that are characterized by these activities. Guess what? God is not going to allow you to continue on in that pattern, pattern of action because he cares about you as a father. He's going to step in and make sure that you get to where you need to be. 
Verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God on the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame to speak of, even speak of those things done of them in secret. But all things are reproved that are reproved are made manifest by light. For whatsoever doth make manifest, excuse me, is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then, now here we need to pay close attention to these LYs that are on the end of a lot of these words, because it's going to characterize the action of what it looks like when you're in a proper place spiritually. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. This uh, idea here is carefully, right? You're measuring out each step that you take. Uh, uh, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Uh, because the days are evil. Now, this ING here, very important. Buying up the time, taking advantage of the time that you have uh, on this earth. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what is the will of the Lord. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now, I can't come to this part without giving a shout out to our, our OG <laughs> that used to be here every year, Pastor Dave, right? Because he did a very good job on the passives. And this is one where he camped out for quite a while. Uh, Brenda and Gabe probably remember, uh, don't be under the influence of ethyl alcohol, <laughs> but be under the influence of the spirit. Right. And he, he was here for a while. Uh, but it really expresses the strong contrast between when you're living as who you are in the flesh and when you're living as to who you are in the spirit. There's a stark contrast. Right. And so don't put yourself at the disposal of, of wine or, or uh, of alcohol, uh, which is not that word for excess there. It doesn't mean that you're drinking and drinking and drinking. It means that you're not living in light of your present tense salvation. Right. So when we're filled with with wine, when we're filled with anything else that comes from works of the flesh, we can't be filled with the spirit. Right. But contrast to that, be filled with the spirit. Now, when you're filled with the spirit, it says speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to everybody. <laughs> right. Singing and making melody in, in church, singing and making melody at the conference when you have a captive audience. No, I'm, I'm being facetious. <laughs> Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And what outflows from that? Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes into what Brother Dan was talking about earlier. The outflow of relationships together, right? And not just the marriage relationship here. It even expands to other believers, Right. You have to be willing as a believer to submit yourself even to listen to this message right now. Right. You're putting yourself under the authority of my teaching <laughs> in order to receive a benefit. Right. 
And hopefully the benefit is I'm accurately teaching this word and you're receiving good direction from the Holy Spirit. Right. And then you guys have been doing a good job of that all weekend. <laughs> God bless you. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so, again, it's not uh, that person. It has nothing to do with that person. It's you and you aligning with who you are in Christ uh, and to God being the ultimate authority. Now, uh, again, through that context, we pointed out in verse uh, four and verse 20 that Thanksgiving opposes manifestations of not the sin nature, but the sin nature. <laughs> I just caught myself again. Boy, my editor needs to be fired. Um, <laughs> and Thanksgiving provided as an activity uh, slash attitude of one singing spiritual songs. And we see that in verse 20. Now, Thanksgiving is also a form of communication with God. We can see that in Colossians 1, uh, 12, 3, 17 and Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 3. But we've already been to verses that point that out. But the absence of Thanksgiving can lead to very destructive behavior. I want you to know. Uh, and I cited that. But let's go over to Romans chapter one. Now, I will caution that this is not what's going to happen for you and I necessarily because we're saved. And again, God is going to stop us before we get to this point. But it is very interesting that an attitude of unthankfulness over the history of time has led to some very terrible acts from people. Right. And it allows that sin nature as God has given you over and allowed you to go to your own devices to just dream up all kinds of things that are evil to do. And as you're thankful, it's going to be opposite of that. Uh, but pick it up in verse 15. It says, so as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in are, are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is a righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart were darkened. Now, uh, a lot of people believe this points to what was going on in the environment at the Tower of Babel. My opinion is it expands even beyond that, right? You look throughout the course of time, even all the way back to Adam and after Adam, people were not thankful, right? You look at Cain and his action. Did that spur from him saying, thank you, God, for providing for me? I know I did wrong, but I, I had the opportunity to do better. I'm going to be thankful. No, he was unthankful. And he said, how dare you not realize and recognize what I've given to you? Right. That's not an attitude of thanksgiving. As you spin out from there and looking at in the days of Noah, some of the same stuff going on. If people were thankful, they wouldn't be committing the acts that they do. Uh, but I, I would submit to you that God gives people over for being unthankful. Right. He's not going to give you over because you're his, but he will allow you <laughs> to go along that stream of uh, unthankfulness 
and it'll get you to a place you don't want to be, right? And so uh, Thanksgiving is very essential uh, to aligning with who God is and what God expects us to be. Back over in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, and looking and isolating these spiritual songs out, So in verse 19, we see he says, speaking to yourself or yourselves really there. Uh, This word for speaking comes from our Greek word leleo, and it is the act of uttering sound, not focused on the content of what is stated, but the sound of words coming out from uh, or through speech. And so, again, I would submit to you (laughs) that there are some people that can't speak. (laughs) Some people have lost the use of their vocal cords and they couldn't audibly speak but they can still have this attitude of praise toward God uh, and thanksgiving toward God and be able to sing this spiritual song. Uh, The participle form uh, of this word is used with the preceding context of the spiritual action expressed that uh, this speech, or to express that this speech, is ongoing in activity of one that is spiritual. So as you're spiritual, this is an ongoing thing, speaking to yourselves. How? <laughs> now, you're not just talking to yourself and then leave that there for, for, for any reason. But uh, to yourselves, this idea of yourselves, it comes from the Greek word uh, uh, otois, or, uh, otois, which is this is not an action that has to involve others. And this is a distinctiveness that I want to make because everyone believes that, that songs for people have to involve other people. I would submit to you that the best song that can come out of you spiritually comes from yourself aligning first with who you are in Christ, right? And being spiritual and being able to truly praise and worship God. All other actions expressed through participles in the context involve the individual, right? It doesn't say uh, stop being drunk with wine with everybody else, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking to individuals. You stop being drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we could go back through all of those other participles that are used in the context and point that out, but it's not necessary. It is possible to have the right alignment spiritually with God and to sing with others from that alignment, but the focus of the context is on the individual. It's not on anybody else. And this is an action that is uh, an individual and an internal expression of the impact of being indwelt. Uh, And so we've seen and uh, Brother Chris did a good job of pointing out uh, your indwelling of Christ. Christ is always there. Right. We always have him indwelling us. He's not going to stop indwelling us. But are you living in light of the fact that he's indwelling you? Are you is Christ feeling at home within you? Is he comfortable within you? If our attitude and our actions are not aligning with who we are in Christ, and I'll tell you, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable, <laughs> right? Let's make our bodies and our, our home, our indwelling, a nice place for, for Christ to dwell in. Now, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, so we're singing to ourselves in these forms. This word for psalms is, again, rhythmic, poetic lyrics accompanied by music. And so we could uh, see over in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. I guess I have a little bit more time than I thought. I was kind of rushing there. 
Let's go over there. It's noted as a form of admonishment to other believers uh, that results from Christ indwelling the believer. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. I want to go back to verse uh, eight because it contrasts, well, even verse seven. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff on the way through here. I could probably go back to the beginning of the chapter, but um, let's just go back to verse seven. He says, uh, in which you also walked sometimes uh, when you lived among them. But now you also put off these anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy fornication, communication, filthy fornication, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, Bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, I, I want you to know the world tries to divide people, right? The world is very focused on segmenting people into little groups, right? And unfortunately, <laughs> the sad thing that I've seen over the last 10 years for myself is that this is creeping into the church, Right? Where people are, are literally within churches stopping going to this church because this person is of this persuasion in the world, right? Or this person is of this race in the world, right? It's crazy. I think it's a misnomer to even say this is a black church, right? Or this is an Asian church or this is a Mexican church. Sure, you might have people that are able to relate to one another better because of the language they speak or things like that. But we are one church, right? We're one body. And I don't remember it, recall it saying that there's this kind of church in Scripture. These are man-made constructions, right? And so uh, Paul points this out here. But continue on in verse 12. Uh, seems to me when someone would make that kind of separation, they're having a problem putting off who they were before. And having a problem putting on who they are in Christ. Because if you put on who you are in Christ, you see yourself and you see others for what they truly are. This could be a problem in marriage, too, that Brother Dan talked about in, in the last hour. If I'm looking at my sister in Christ as she is, as it says in verse 7 of, of, first, Peter, of first Peter chapter 3, then I'm going to see her the right way, right? And this marriage thing is going to flow the way that it's supposed to. Verse 12, it says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. How can a believer that is spiritual be unwilling to forgive another believer? Or say the famous line, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. Right? This is what people do. And 
then on the same breath want to say I'm living as who I am in Christ. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Verse 14 gives more of the outflow of what it looks like. And above all these put on charity or our word for love, which is the bond of perf uh, per perfection or, or perfectness. And so this is the binding agent of what causes a believer to mature. It's the glue that holds it all together, right? You cannot grow or mature as a believer without having the ability to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's the very simplest form of the thing that has been asked from us as grace believers, right? Going back to John in chapter uh, 13 and verse 34, what did Christ say? Love one another, right? So it's very simple there. If you're not loving, you're not putting on a new man. It's time to evaluate your, your situation. Um, no, I didn't get to verse 16. <laughs> and let the peace of God uh, rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. There it goes again. <laughs> be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And so here you see this uh, word for psalms used there, um, as well as the one for hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, but also over in First uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26, we see this is noted as one of the uh, things done uh, in the church. Uh, at Corinth that was designed to be uh, build others up. And let's let's not go to that one. That's just there for your your edification on your own time. Uh, the idea of hymns, too, we saw over in uh, Ephesians chapter five and verse 19, as well as Colossians chapter 16, uh, but also over in uh, James chapter five and verse 13. And I need to, to get going. We're running out of time here. And then spiritual songs is in uh, Ephesians five nineteen as well as here in Colossians three sixteen. Now, the singing and psalming, uh, going back to Ephesians chapter 5, is expressed in the heart of the individual. And so I would submit to you that your heart doesn't have a mouth, right? Your heart doesn't have a voice. Your heart uh, is not necessarily singing out loud, right? You need this little thing here in order to, to verbalize what's in the heart. And so, again, that's why I say this expression starts from within, right, and then bubbles from without. Uh, and so the idea of the heart uh, deals with the mind, which is a part of the individual's existence in which rational thought uh, derives and is uh, concluded prior to action. Will is the part of the individual existence in which the volition of the individual is exercised. And then emotion is the part of the individual existence in which the feelings of the individual derive and from which they are manifested. Uh, and so you see those three things. Boy, I'm finding all kinds of errors as I <laughs> go through. Uh, spiritual words and, and melody are part of the individual experience. And so uh, this idea of singing and making melody in your heart and the activity of the uh, spiritual song is to the Lord. Now, we were over here in Colossians chapter 316, but we won't. Uh, we'll just kind of hit the highlights of what was stated there. Um, the believer is not singing a song to other believers. <laughs> I emphasize again, just because of what we're doing here, the believer is not singing this spiritual song to other believers. The believer is able to help other believers from a proper posture and intention. 
And so as you're looking at other believers and things that are going on in their lives and aligning it with what we see over in Galatians, somebody might have an issue, right? And are you at the proper place spiritually where you can help that brother or sister in Christ? Brother Steve talked about mentoring people that come in and have issues, right? If he's not of the proper uh, posture himself, how can he help other people? I know you are, Brother Steve, but <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, and so you see that here. Now, uh, also, we see a, a, in Colossians 3.16, allowing the discourse concerning Christ uh, to indwell you or uh, dwell in you richly. I probably should have spent more time on that. But this is allowing uh, the discourse concerning the uh, Christ to indwell. This word for indwell comes from our word enoikeo. And it has the idea of uh, just that being inside of someone and feeling comfortable. Right. And that in preposition makes it even more strong. Right. You have the word for dwell or to be at home or at peace or at ease. But this has an in preposition on in front of it. And so uh, let it let it dwell in you all richly in all wisdom. Uh, and we see that now the word or this discourse uh, goes back to the encouragement for believers to forgive one another and the encouragement for allowance of peace to preside in their hearts and the encouragement to preserve the unity of the bond of peace that we see in verse 15. And lastly, the encouragement to give thanks. And finally, we see it's, uh, uh, the word is concerning the Christ. Uh, and I believe that is the Christ of previous mention that we saw in verse 13. And it is the constructed entity, when you look at the Christ, with which the Christ is the head and believers are at the body. And we see that over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Now, it's also admonished. And um, I, I think I told you guys to go back to Ephesians 5, but this is Colossians uh, 3.16. It's also admonished um, or, or the activity of ones that are allowing uh, this to take place. They are able to teach and admonish uh, one another. And so this idea of admonishing here comes from a statement made to another concerning the danger of an action done or intended. And one another means to one another of the same kind. And so in the sphere of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so it's coming from a posture of a proper alignment of yourself before you deal with someone else. Now, it'd be very interesting if we were taking this as singing to other people, right? And I should be coming to you merrily when I see you doing something and singing it. <laughs> saying, hey, you're doing the wrong thing here. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is not what this is saying. <laughs> and my mom says, no, that is not how I want you to approach me. <laughs> it's like a musical, right? <laughs> uh, but this idea of one another here, looking at in the spear, uh, uh, again, excuse me, verse 17, uh, the works of individual believers. And so go back with me over there really quickly to Colossians. I'm trying to skip through this really quickly and probably butchering the, <laughs> the context. Um, but again, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. And so this idea of the grace that has been provided to you in your hearts, your mind, your will and emotions. Uh, and so you're aligned properly inside to be able to to go to someone else and admonish them or, or teach them. Uh, and then the works of the believer of you in verse 17, where it says, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, 
Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Uh, and then it goes into what you see over in Ephesians, this idea here for uh, different people and how they are submitting themselves to one another. And here it even extends beyond uh, to master and servant relationships as well. Um, but you see that. And then in verse, uh, no, that's the, the close. And so uh, I think we came to our conclusion fast enough for me to conclude. I kind of zoomed through the end there. Uh, but when you look at this idea of songs, and, and as it relates to you as grace believers, am I encouraging you not to sing? <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think I once said that. If I did strike it from, <laughs> from whatever was said. Am I encouraging you not to listen to music? No. What I am encouraging you to do is have the proper internal posture as it relates to who you are in Christ so that this can affect your outward behavior, right? There's there's simplicity, really, truly. I mean, it's in scripture, but there's really is simplicity in who we are in Christ. We complicate it when we take all of the direction of what's coming in from the world, all of these different things that other people have to say about how to live. Uh, but it's very simple. Frame your mind on things above. Colossians 3, 1, right? Get yourself out of the way so that God can do something with you through the Holy Spirit. And what outflows from that is beautiful, right? It's a song that's in alignment with a song that's been going on back into eternity when the Godhead was operating together with each other. And it's beautiful music, right? It's in line with creation when God created creation in the first place. And the morning stars sang for joy, right? Why? Because of the greatness of their creator and because they were in alignment with who their creator is. The pastor has been doing a series on glory, right? Glory being the expression of an opinion of what something is. You and I can be conduits of glory as we're living out who we are in Christ. As you look at stars, stars are not showing off light themselves, right? They're reflecting something else. Well, the moon is, <laughs> I got that backwards. The moon is reflecting the light of the sun, right? It doesn't have any light in and of itself, but it shines beautifully in the night, right? You and I can shine beautifully and show forth the glory of God. And it sounds like beautiful music. The pastor coined his slice of heaven term. Well, I'm going to make up one myself. It sounds like beautiful music when you're reflecting the glory of God. May we all do that.